Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. Luke chapter 2, that's where we'll be. We'll start in verse 41. I think every parent's uh, worst nightmare, one of their greatest uh, fears would be to lose a child. Maybe, maybe you've done that. Maybe you've lost a child, maybe at Walmart or left them at church or, or something like that. I've heard of friends getting to church and realizing their kid wasn't with them and they had to go back and, and pick them up. Or uh, maybe you've almost done that. Maybe, maybe you're the, the, the kid who got left somewhere. I don't know. I mean, I can almost see some, some finger pointing going on as you're sitting there on your couches. But I, I think that that's a fear that we all have. And the, the story that we're going to study this morning is an anxiety attack. I mean, it is that fear that we all face. In Luke chapter 2, we see Mary and Joseph run off and they forget Jesus in Jerusalem. This is a crazy story. It's kind of an odd story that, that this is the story that we have here. And, and I was thinking this week, I don't remember ever hearing a sermon over this text. And so I'm excited that we get to jump into it this morning. The truth is that we all face the feelings and the things that Mary and Joseph feel in this story. We all face times where we feel like a failure. We all face times where, where Jesus is nowhere to be found. We all face those times where we feel just chaos and confusion. And that's exactly what we're talking about this morning. And in that, I want us all to see this, that in the midst of chaos and confusion, Jesus is revealing who he is and what he's about. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out with me. I have our CSB journaling notebooks here that I'm going to be reading out of. And so if you have one of those, uh, grab a pen or a pencil and circle things, underline, highlight, um, and let's, let's walk through this. So in verse, verse 41 of chapter 2, it says this. It says, Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover Festival. Now I'm going to walk through these first few verses and just kind of set some context for us, kind of explain some things that's happening. So in the, the first verse, every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. This tells us that, that Jesus's parents, Mary and Joseph, were very godly, devout Jewish people. They're traveling every year from Nazareth to go to Jerusalem to go for the Passover festival. We know what the Passover festival is. That's out of the book of Exodus after the the plagues happen whenever, whenever God says that if you, if you spread the blood over your doorpost, that he'll pass over the house and spare the firstborn uh, child in that home, that the homes that don't have the blood, that the firstborn child was killed. We know that story. And then in Deuteronomy 16, it tells them to every year celebrate that because it's a, it's a picture of what God would do for us in, in Jesus and how he's going to, the blood of Jesus is going to spare us from death. And so they were going to Jerusalem. They were going to celebrate that. So we see that they're godly parents. We see that they're devout uh, Jewish uh, people. You know, this is an interesting story because it's the only story that we get in scripture from the time Jesus is, is about eight years or eight days old till the time that he's 30 years old. This is the only story that we get of Jesus as a boy. And so this is, this is the story that, that we're told. And so we, the question then is, why is it told to us. 
I think there's some reasons. And so I want us to keep reading and, and find out. Verse 42 says, when he was 12 years old, when, when, when Jewish boys were 12 years old, it's kind of this special age where in between 12 and 13, it was this apprenticeship time where they were learning to be uh, good Jewish men. At 13, religiously speaking, they were adults at that age. And so he would have gone into this time of apprenticeship with his father where he's learning all kinds of things. So Jesus is 12, and it says in verse 42, they went up according to the custom of the festival. And after those days were over, as they were returning, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. And assuming he was traveling in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And so what's happened is Jesus has been left in Jerusalem. The family, back in those days, families all traveled together. And it was like aunts and uncles and cousins. They all would travel together. The men would walk together. The women and children would walk separately. And so it's not crazy to think how they could have left Jesus. But they traveled a whole day away from Jerusalem, a whole day's journey before they get together and they realize Jesus is not here. Jesus isn't with us. And so that's the scene. That's, that's where we're at. Now I want us to look at their emotions. I want us to see uh, the, the bigger picture of what's happening here. So look at verse 44 with me. It says, Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. They didn't find him, so they began searching for him. And after three days, verse 46 says, after three days, they found him. He was sitting in the temple among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. And, and some people will read this story, and that's the point that they take away from it, that, that Jesus was really smart as a 12-year-old. That's, that's not the point that we're meant to take away here. Verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So what we see here, like I said in the beginning, chaos and confusion. Just imagine the scene. Place yourself in the scene. This is a real story. I believe, I believe Mary uh, told this story to Luke as he was going around and interviewing people and, and, and trying to see who this Jesus was. Mary tells this story of Jesus being left at the temple. And, and so it's a real story. It's a story of confusion. They've traveled for a day before they look up and they realize that Jesus isn't with them. And, and remember, there's no cell phones during this time. They can't just like pick up a phone and, and call and say, uh, try and find Jesus. You know, we, um, we just had Christmas and, and one of my favorite Christmas movies is, is Home Alone. I don't know if you've seen this movie, but... This story reminds me of that movie. There's a scene in Home Alone where they, the, the family, they arrive at the airport, they've gotten off the plane, and all the aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters, they're all there and they're picking up their luggage and they take Kevin McAllister's bag and they start passing it down the line. They say, give this to Kevin, give this to Kevin. They're all passing it down the line. They get to the very end and his cousin tries to hand it, but there's no Kevin standing there. And he starts passing it back up the line and saying, Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Finally gets to the mom and there's that famous scene of the mom screaming, Kevin, right? You know, and it's this whole deal. Kevin's not here. That's what I'm picturing in this story is the movie Home Alone, except there's no, no pranks or, or burglars. But 
This is a serious situation. Jerusalem, it's said, would have swelled eight to ten times its normal population at Passover. So there's people everywhere. They don't know where Jesus is. They don't even know if he's alive at this point. So put yourself in Mary's shoes. Imagine how Mary felt in this moment. Again, they can't just pick up a cell phone and try and find. They can't start making emergency phone calls. They're a day's journey away, and now they have to turn around and go a whole nother day back. So now that's two days of not knowing where Jesus is. She's worried, and she feels like a failure. Moms, I, I know that you understand this. Have you ever compared yourself to another mom on Instagram? I know that you have. Right? It's something that we do. You, you see someone else's life and you think, man, I'm not as good as that person. I don't raise my kids in that kind of way. And you feel like a failure. You begin to compare yourself. Guys do this too, by the way. That we, we, we face failure. We face this comparison thing. Mary is feeling like a failure. She's lost her son. And oh, by the way, he's the, he's the promised Messiah. He's the savior of the world and she's lost him. She's stressed. She's worried. She's beating herself up over this whole thing. And then in verse 46, this climactic moment of the story says, after three days, three days, they don't know where Jesus is for three whole days. Just imagine the, the, the agony and the anxiety. Then the next three words, and they found him. Just imagine the relief, right? They see him. And then the next three words, in the temple. Just confused, like, what are you? What are you doing? Why are you just sitting here in the temple? Verse 48, you know, there's this whole conversation. Mary says, where have you been? What are you doing? Why, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to us? Your father and I, I love how she plays the, the dad card there. We, we've all heard that, right? Just wait till your father gets home. That's kind of what I'm seeing here. Your father and I have looked everywhere for you. Why have you done this? And Jesus just says, I had to. It was all part of the plan with my father. And it says in verse uh, 50 that Mary just stood there confused. She didn't understand. She didn't understand. And I want to talk about this idea just for a second of, of confusion as a Christian. There's going to be times that we all face as disciples of Jesus, as, as lovers of Jesus, as Mary was, where Jesus will sometimes confuse us. There's going to be times where you feel like Jesus should do one thing and he does the opposite. There's going to be times where you feel like Jesus should treat you one way or do something for you, and it's just not going to work out that way. There's this whole movement of teaching right now called the prosperity gospel that sounds Awesome. This, this teaching says that God is going to make your world great and you're going to be successful and you're going to be wealthy and you're not going to have anything that you need and you're going to have good health. And if you follow Jesus for longer than about 10 minutes, you know that that's just not true. It doesn't always work out that way. Jesus is doing a lot of things that sometimes don't make sense to us. If you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you also know that it's in those moments where you learn something new about Jesus and your affections for him begin to be stirred. And so in this moment where Jesus is confusing to his own mother, she's learning something about him. 
So we see that it's in the chaos and the confusion. The second thing that we see in this story is that Jesus is revealing who he is. Jesus is revealing who he is. Can we, can we just kind of dive in, in deep for a minute? I want to I give you a big theological word, and we're not afraid of, of big words, right? Mayonnaise is a, is a big word. We use that all the time. So we're not afraid of big words. I want to give, give you one here. It's called Christology. Christology. It's this, it's this portion of systematic theology that's the study of Christ. And this story teaches us some important lessons about Jesus. It teaches us that he is both fully human and he's fully God. Both are crucial. Both are important for our salvation. So let's look at that. I first want to look at the humanity of Jesus. We see it on display a couple different times, and I want you to see it. Verse 46 says that he was sitting among the teachers and he was listening to them and asking them questions. So we see that he's, he's asking questions. He's learning things. Skip down to verse 51. We see that he leaves and goes with his parents and he's obedient to them. He obeys his parents. He loves them. Verse 52 says that he grew both physically and intellectually. He's, he's, he's growing. He's, he's maturing. In other passages throughout the Bible, we see the, the humanity of Jesus in, in ways like he, he, he gets hungry, he gets thirsty, he gets tired, he gets, he gets angry. He faces temptations, although he never gives into them. Because he is human, that's, it's crucial for our salvation. Because he is human, he can be our sinless substitute that sacrificed for our sin. Because he's human, he can, he can empathize with us. Because he's human, we can look to him as our example for life. And so the humanity of Jesus is, is crucially important. And this story shows us that, but it also shows us the deity or the God side of Jesus. Look at verse 49 says, why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? And there's this subtle contrast that happens here whenever Mary says, your father and I were looking for you. Your father. She's talking about Joseph. And Jesus responds with, but I'm in my father's house. Talking about God. The thing about this is, is nobody addresses God this way. All throughout the Old Testament, nobody did this. Moses didn't refer to God this way. David didn't. Solomon didn't. The prophets, the kings, the common people, nobody referred to God in this way. And so in this story, Jesus is making it known that he is from God. He's different. And so in the midst of chaos and confusion, Jesus is revealing who he is. In this moment, the first recorded words of our Savior our 12-year-old Jesus is ministering to his parents. He said, I love you and I respect you, but you need to understand who I am. I had to stay here. So he says, it was necessary. I had to stay here. He's saying, mom, you didn't screw up. You're not a failure. I had to do it. And in this way, he covers her failure. He covers that feeling of failure that she had. And so in the moment of chaos and confusion, Jesus is revealing who he is. And then finally, Jesus is revealing what he's about. What he's about. Look at verse 49. He says, it was necessary. Your translation may say, I must do this, or I had to do this. It was necessary for me to be in my father's house. Remember, this is the only 
story of Jesus between birth and 30 years old. So why is Luke telling us this story? I believe everything in here, all the details, I believe they're intentional. We don't have time to get into to a lot of them, but one of them I want you to see is this idea of the temple. We're doing this two-week series called At the Temple. Luke references the temple throughout his books um, to, to, to kind of draw attention to something, which is kind of strange because Luke was a Greek Gentile. So why is he drawing attention to this staple in the Jewish community, this, this Jewish landmark? But he often uses it to draw in our attention on something that he wants us to see. So there's a few times that he does this in Luke. We've already seen in Luke chapter one, we saw the birth announcement of John the Baptist given to Zechariah there in the temple. We see Jesus taken to the temple at eight days old in Luke chapter two, verse 27. Here in this story of the Passover festival, Jesus is 12 years old. He's, he's in the temple and he says, my father's house and this foreshadows the future role the temple will play in Luke. And then you fast forward, there's several other times, but then you fast forward to this crucial moment um, when Jesus parades into town at the triumphal entry that kind of kicks off Passover week. He leaves from the Mount of Olives. There's all this symbolism going on there as if to say he's putting on this giant declaration to anybody watching to say that the Messiah is here, the King is here. And what does he do? He parades into town and he goes straight to the temple. He puts on this whole spectacle and goes straight to the temple. Even at the crucifixion scene, Luke draws our attention back into the temple whenever he, he, he draws our attention to the veil that's in the temple being torn from top to bottom. So here in the story at the Passover in the temple, 12 year old Jesus is declaring to the world, to his parents, that he's on a world changing mission. Simeon in our uh, our study last week in Luke chapter two, Luke, uh, Simeon uh, says that Mary's soul will be pierced. At the end of that story in verses 34 and 35, it says, then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul. Jesus ministers to his mom here and tries to help her see his ultimate purpose, a purpose that is going to cause her great pain. As you see, this instance is not the last time that Mary is going to lose her son. This story is not the last time that she'll be hurting and confused as she, as she wanders the streets of Jerusalem on the road to the Temple Mount. This story is not the last time that she's going to search in agony for three days for her son. It's all pointing to something. Jesus came for a purpose. To not only cover the failures of his mom as a 12-year-old, but to go to a cross as a 33-year-old man and cover the failures of the world. He came to die. God's son put on skin and bone and he stepped into this earth and he lived a perfect and sinless life so that he could die a sacrificial death for you and for me. He rose again after being crucified, proving that he is God, proving that he has power over sin and death forever. And now because of that, because of Jesus, 
you can know God. As Luke draws our attention back into the temple at the crucifixion scene and says that that the temple uh, robe tore in two, the veil tore in two from top to bottom as if God was saying access is now granted. Because of what Jesus has done, you can have a relationship with God. And so I just want to say that if you don't know him, why not today? Why not start the year 2021 with a relationship with the king of the universe? You're going to see some information there on your screen where you can, you can start a conversation. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. There's a lady named Elizabeth Elliot. She was a Christian missionary and author. In the 1950s, Elizabeth, her husband Jim, and their 10-month-old daughter Valerie uh, were missionaries in Ecuador. They were there... Uh, to, to uh, share the gospel with the Warani Indian tribe. One morning in January of, of 1956, Jim and four of his missionary buddies, they gathered together and they prayed. They prayed that God would protect them as they went to go share the gospel with the Warani tribe. And then they set off on their way. As soon as they stepped into the village, the spears began to fly and Jim and his four friends were killed, leaving Elizabeth and her daughter, Valerie, alone. One year later, in 1957, Elizabeth wrote a book. It's called Through the Gates of Splendor. And in this book, she talks about that situation of walking through this very hard, very difficult, very confusing time of going, God, we've come here to minister to these people. We've come here on mission for you. And now this has happened. And now we're alone. And she writes about that situation here in her book. And she says this, she says, God is God. And if he is God, he is worthy of my worship and my service. I will find rest nowhere, but in his will. And that will is infinitely immeasurably, and unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what he is up to. She said, I will find rest nowhere but in his will. And that will is infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what he is up to. She didn't leave Ecuador. She stayed there. She became friends with these two other ladies. And in 1958, October of 1958, she began to learn the language of the Warani tribe. And then in October, she moved into their village with her three-year-old daughter, Valerie. And she began to share the good news of King Jesus and how salvation is open to anyone and everyone who would believe, even those who killed her husband. She says, God is God. And if he is God, he is worthy of my worship and my service. I will find rest nowhere but in his will. And that will is infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond my largest notion of what he is up to. And in the midst of the chaos and the confusion, Jesus is revealing who he is and what he's about. And he's about redemption and freedom and life. And even when you don't understand how all the details work together, you can trust him. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.